We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to a special edition, a very special edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And we're here today to talk about the retirement and remembrance of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Before we can get to that, though, there's something just. Chris has put something enraging into my eyeballs, and I need you to tell... What is this? First of all, what the hell kind of glass is that? Uh, It is a Nick and Nora. What does that mean? It's just the name of the glass. It's like a coupe, is what it is. What is a coupe? A coupe is a glass that holds liquor. A coupe is a vehicle, right? It's a two-door vehicle that you drive. Yeah, it's a Chevy Geo. (laughs) So what are you drinking out here? Because it's frothy... It's a gin sour style cocktail. It has an ounce and a half of gin, three-quarter lemon juice, three-quarter italicus, half ounce of ginger syrup, and an egg white. It's delicious. You know what my cocktail choice for an occasion such as this is, Chris? Whiskey in a glass. You're welcome. Dave, feel free. Guys, feel free to add that recipe to your books at home. It's delicious, I'm telling you. But the kicker is, like, if you live in the Buffalo area, you can go to Premier and get a um, a rhubarb and gin and gi- rhubarb and ginger gin. I forget the uh, distillery that it comes from, but it works excellent with this cocktail. Now, I want to launch into this conversation because it, 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 there's a lot to unpack here as we. I think our podcast, we deserve you know, to give Ryan Fitzpatrick the send-off he deserves. But before we get into that, Chris, you had mentioned something to me before we started recording that I think is highly interesting. We're, you and I are always joking off-air about you know It's the old Bill Burr joke. Yeah. If I was a dictator, these people would be eliminated. Yeah, Bill Burr in a, in a <clears throat> bit was uh, describing somebody doing just something stupid. And he ended the bit with, if I was a dictator, those people would be eliminated. <laughs> and uh, I was on, was, this happened on Monday. So Monday, my landlord is working over by her parents. Also happens to be her mother's birthday. So I'm here. Kid gets home from school. She's like, get Benton, five o'clock. Come to my parents. I'll meet you guys there. We're having dinner to celebrate my mom's birthday. Beautiful. So I'm driving down transit, and I'm going to take a right on Pleasant View, right at John and Mary's. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So 
I take a right onto Pleasant View and then immediately have to slam my brakes. Benton, my landlord's child, like his head like went into the seat. Like that's how like quick it was. Because some dickhead thought I'm going to John and Mary's. So instead of just going past Pleasant View and taking a right into the establishment, I'm going to take a right on Pleasant View and then an immediate left into John and Mary's. While we have a green light, traffic's already backed up on Pleasant View, thus blocking the entrance. Now I'm stuck behind you. Now other people are stuck behind me. And now you're backing up the right lane on transit because of your dickhead move not to just go past Pleasant View, take a right into the establishment. No, I want to add a left. They have their own dedicated driveway. I want to <laughs> add a left. I want to add more to my commute and and cause backup on transit. I, I will say, Chris. Though, will, that person should be eliminated, you I, fucking idiot. I can get behind you with this because I have one of my own that also happened in the last 48 hours. <clears throat> it's now summertime in Buffalo, right? Summertime in Buffalo, everyone's dusting off their sports cars. They're saying, oh, yeah, Rust Belt, got to hide my got to hide my niceties for, for, from the snow, from the salt. Now it's time to get out and have a little fun, you know? So I'm at a red light. And I'm kind of window to window. Can you uh, can you give us a look? So it's Broadway, like so Broadway where you're just off of Dick Road. Got it. Just off of Dick Road. We're at the light, and this guy is revving his engine in his bright red late '90s, early 2000s Corvette, dual exhaust. It's it's a flashy car. The car is sick. This guy, early 40s, a little bit, he's thinning hair. He's wearing some ridiculous Pit Viper sunglasses. My brother's got a pair of those. Dude, Pit Vipers are, it's a sick flex if you can pull it off. He's revving his engine at the stoplight. Cool, dude. You have a great car. You know what? You're feeling yourself. You're probably recently divorced. You know what? Go out there. Yeah, go feel yourself a little bit. Except when the light turns green, Chris. This guy doesn't know how to shift. It's a standard, and he doesn't know how to shift. So at no point during this entire time... Now I'm stuck behind him, not only all the way down Broadway, but also all the way down Borden, and two-thirds of the way to my house. I'm Me and 18 other people are stuck behind this guy driving a Corvette who can't go more than 40 because he doesn't know how to shift. Eliminated. I'm sorry. You don't. And not even because he doesn't know how to shift. If it's his first, Chris, if you had gotten, when you got divorced, if your first move was to go out and buy the flashiest sports car you could afford, I wouldn't have been mad at you. I would have given you, I would have given you like, and said, okay, maybe it'll take him a while to break it in. Maybe he'll get used to it. But if you have the balls to rev your engine at a stoplight, you better be able to put pedal to metal or you're a horse's ass. Well, I I don't think I would ever, at any point in my life, ever own any type of sports car. I mean, I don't even know how to drive a stick shift. (laughs) Doesn't mow the lawn. Can't drive a stick. Dude, I've mowed the lawn like five times already. I'm pretty good at it. Oh, my God. I'm going to mow the lawn tomorrow if you want to come watch. Oh, my God. Guys, yeah, you heard it here first. I won't have a shirt on either, so anyone that wants to come by and watch. Uh, guys, well, first of all, Chris, cheers to us both. Cheers. Just, if we could, we'd eliminate all kinds of people. Yeah. Tweet at us if you've seen if you've, yeah. if you've seen what, something. Who are the people out there in traffic that you see that you think should be eliminated? At Rockpile Report. Let us hear it. But onwards and upwards with the true meaning of tonight's show. The meat and potatoes, if you will. Chris, it's a sad day. The Amish Rifle. Fitzmagic. The guy of multiple nicknames. And probably one of the most original, like undeniably original quarterbacks in Buffalo Bills history. Ryan Fitzpatrick announced last week that he'd be calling it a career. 
And it was met with surprise from some people, considering he just last year he was dis, he was signed as the de facto starting quarterback by the Washington football team. But if you think about it, it Chris, it had to happen at some point, didn't it? it doesn't it just seem like the timing does make a little bit of sense? It does. He's coming off like what a hip injury. Those are hard to come back from, a, a hip especially injury, at his age. A hip injury that not only cost him his entire season. Which, I mean, I don't know what the odds are that he bounces back from that. But then when you look at what his career has been the last few years... You also have to factor in the fact that he was in Washington. So, well, yeah. their medical staff... Oh, he talked he, about it on Trey Wingo's podcast. You know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he made a point that he was rehabbing with the doctors and then all of a sudden the DEA raids the, the practice facility and all of a sudden... The doctor that he was rehabbing with and both of the trainers are just no longer around. <laughs> so he has, he was like, so I literally had to leave the team to go finish my rehab. So, cause he was being asked basically when they were like, oh, you were under contract with this team when you were in Buffalo. Like, how crazy is that? And he was like, well, honestly, I hadn't been near the team because I couldn't even rehab with the team because the people I was doing the work with ceased to exist. That's a Dan Snyder thing. Oh, it's hilarious. But not only that, Chris. You know, he was hucking the rock pretty well. I think over the I think people were surprised, you know, the Tampa season that he had, the kind of those four games that caught people by surprise. I think he set a record for the most consecutive 300-yard games, 400 yard, 3 400 in a yards. row, 400 yards. And then he put on Deshaun Jackson's clothes. He literally posted a career high net yards per attempt, completion percentage, some of the best touchdown stats that he'd had since he started for Buffalo. But his interception percentage was also at a career high, and his teams had a .407 win percentage. And I know Bruce Nolan right now, like like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, just sensed a disturbance in the force because someone just referred to wins as a quarterback stat. But the fact is his teams weren't winning. And he spent the final three seasons leading up to his injury being sacked at a rate of two and a half times per game. He just set a career, well, what was it, uh, in 2019, he set a career high for himself of taking 40 sacks behind that just awful Miami Dolphins offensive line. So I don't know what the market for a 40-year-old journeyman quarterback fresh off a catastrophic injury and declining statistics is, but I'm happy to see that it was enough for Fitz to see the writing on the wall and decide that unlike Joe Namath, Dan Fouts, our own Jim Kelly, Troy Aikman, Brett Favre, Cam Newton, and maybe even the golden boy Tom Brady, that he'd rather leave on his own terms before his body broke down in front of the entire country or before his skill set betrayed him to a point where the NFL would just unceremoniously wash its hands of him like it has so many other quarterbacks whose names carried gravitas at one point and then just they disappeared like guys who didn't realize they should have gotten off the bus three stops ago. Brett Favre. Yeah. When Brett Favre lost in the NFC championship game, that should have been it. Yeah. He decided to give it one more go and Arthur Motes ended him. Like imagine that a guy with this hall of fame career whose last moments are getting carted off a football field. Tom Brady, whose last moments in a Patriots jersey. Pick six. Throwing a pick six. It's fitting. Like, if that had been the end for him. Now, luckily, he went on to have another season. But, Chris, he keeps coming back. Like, eventually, time will get you. You will have your Brett Favre moment. And I personally can't wait to see it. But Fitz decided that he didn't want to be in that group. And that alone earns him some praise from me. But in figuring out how I wanted to bring this up in the podcast, you know, at first I was like, maybe we just do what we did, we used to do. An old Bill's News update. You know, dust off the sounder. Maybe just as a simple anecdote tucked into a larger show. And I started thinking about it. And I realized that not only did he deserve better than that, but that there was so much more meat on the bone if you want to talk about what Ryan Fitzpatrick, not just who he was as a quarterback, but what he meant to me personally and to this football team. So with that, I, Chris, if we're going to do this properly and remember Ryan Fitzpatrick and try to understand the butterfly effect here, you got to go back to the beginning where it all started 
And in doing so, I'm going to pour myself a little bit more whiskey. And I recommend that everyone listening to this do the same because it's a fucking disaster. All right, here we go. The date. Monday, October 12th, 2009. The Buffalo Bills just turned in one of the grossest, most embarrassing performances in franchise history. Losing to the Cleveland Browns at home by a score of 6-3. to three. You remember that game, right, Chris? Punt fest. Roscoe Parrish fumbled to end the game. The CBS analysts refused to talk about the game at halftime. I remember Boomer reading the score, reading off the passing stats, and then crumpling up all of the copy and throwing it over his shoulder and just saying, moving on. And that was it. That was the only mention the game even got. Uh, nine, Chris, the teams combined for nine consecutive drives to open the game of less than 23 yards and two turnovers on downs. Derek Anderson, the quarterback for Cleveland at the time, didn't complete his first pass of the half until there was 46 seconds left in the second quarter. What the fuck is that? Trent Edwards had put together his third consecutive game of throwing for less than 161 yards. And the team had an embarrassing 1-4 record. Morale couldn't have been lower. And the recently extended Dick Duran, that seat got red hot real quick. And I think rightfully so. Do you remember that era of Bills football and what was going on around the team at that time, Chris? Not really. I was more uh, into the bar scene on Sundays because... That's when I would I was going. I don't. I don't even. I don't remember if it was we were we were at Hudson Grill yet or still at Cheyenne Grill and Buckhead for Bills backers of Atlanta. But I would go to the bar and I would be there from eleven to about eight o'clock <laughs> because you use the four o'clock game to sober up before you drive home because it was pre Uber and you're not taking a cab. I'm forced, Chris. I can I can say this with a ton of confidence. I remember that game, and I think I, our fans have heard me brag about that and just on the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills getting together for years, and I think a lot of them just think it's because of my hatred for Ohio. There's context there that you're all missing. It's the lowest, first of all, that was the lowest point for me that I've ever felt about this football team because it felt like we'd been sold another false prophet. It felt uh, between uh, you, know, you extend Dick Duran because you're like, all right, well, he's mediocre, but he, he's getting there. Nope, not gonna. He's one in four. This is this is not going well. It turns out those mediocre seasons were just luck. Uh, Trent Edwards, the guy who was flirting with Pro Bowl status before Adrian Wilson just ruined his career with that concussion and just dramatically changed the trajectory of Trent Edwards' career. Um the T.O. signing was going tits up. Hey, but at least he had a key to the city. Yeah. A real sense of existential dread had set in with me. I mean, the girl I had been dating moved out of town for work. Literally without telling me until two days before she packed a U-Haul and left. Where'd you go to? Who fucking knows? Some, I, I think at the time it was like... Like it was down south. I want to say it was like somewhere in Louisiana. I don't know. I don't know. I just remember getting a text that was just like, hey, I'm leaving in two days, but it's been cool. And I didn't even respond to her because I was like, what the fuck? How do you we're not even going to have a conversation about that. You're just you're literally pulling a pulling Cleveland Browns and leaving in the middle of the night or no uh, Indianapolis Colts. Baltimore Colts. Baltimore, Baltimore Colts. You're just bailing in the middle of the night. You're not going to tell me. Uh, the collection agency, the shitty little agency that I had gone to work for, went bankrupt. In the middle of the day, they called us all together and just said, hey, guys, uh, quick talk. Don't steal anything because it's all bank property now and we need you all to vacate the premises. We promise that your last checks won't bounce, but you all need to leave because the office is closed. So we're all unceremoniously fired. I'm now jobless, girlfriendless. I mean, the jobless thing, I landed on my feet and started a legitimate career in the aftermath of that. So I guess it was for the best, but I, I've got nothing going for me. 
and this football game happens. And one of my most vivid memories from the rest of that day is being hammered off a plastic bottle of Canadian leaf whiskey. $14.99 for a handle in a plastic jug. Looking outside and seeing the moon and realizing I didn't remember, like, where did that come from? I don't remember the sun going down. When did that happen? And, and then realizing I didn't care. The surface of the moon seemed like a more hospitable place than where I was mentally at that point. That was maybe the lowest point of my entire life. And I remember being so hungover off that rock gut whiskey that I didn't even bother getting up the next morning to listen to the radio, to listen to the conversations, and listen to sports talk, because at that point, nothing mattered. Legitimately. I was just living in this nihilist wet dream where legitimately nothing mattered. So it wasn't until the next day that I found out that in a move to save his own ass, Dick Duran, I don't know if he was just trying to make it look like he hadn't lost control of the, the team. Like he pivoted to a journeyman backup quarterback, a guy I'd never fucking heard of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Big whoop, right? Who cares? Woo. A uh, seventh round draft pick at quarterback's going to come in and save our lives. But you see, Chris, there's something about us as Bills fans. Whether it's Jeff Tool, whether it's Kyle Orton, whether it's any of these guys. Thad Lewis. Thad Lewis. We as Bills fans have spent every waking moment since Jim Kelly was carted off the field in 96 being infatuated with what our friend and listener of the show, Mike Partham, calls Schrodinger's quarterback. The guy that you've never actually seen play. So you don't unequivocally know that he sucks. And in that way, he must be good. Right? <laughs> ah, Schrodinger's quarterback. That's what Ryan Fitzpatrick was that week. And I can't lie. I didn't want to care. But they fucking had me because I'm a mark. And that's what marks do. I showed up br bright and early to watch them play the Jets the following weekend. Fitz only threw for 116 yards, so it's not like he was good, quote-unquote. But the team was scoring points. They were moving the ball. And the defense played their balls off, which is a dynamic that has followed Ryan Fitzpatrick throughout his career in spots. And with a late touchdown drive to force overtime and five second-half interceptions, the Bills somehow pulled out a win in Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick's first start in a Bills uniform. Is that earth-shattering to you? No. A bad Bills team beats a fairly mediocre Jets team. But I think the Jets went to the AFC title game that year. Yeah, they might. That's when they had Rex. Might yeah. have been. That was when they were last good. But I can remember tearing up in the aftermath of that game. Probably a lot of booze involved. But just getting weepy and having to go outside. Over the fact that, well, I knew that they weren't a good football team... They were at least fun, and I at least had something, Chris. Something in my life had gone right, and that maybe this all wasn't going to be so bad. Like, that's... Ugh. He started the rest of that season. Do you remember how that went? It was up and down. It's a blur. It's a blur. It was just an... That should have been a watershed moment for Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Like, he stepped in and won his first game off the bench. We should probably not go back to Trent Edwards, right? Yeah. Wrong. Wrong? You're talking about the Buffalo Bills. So Chan Gailey shows up after Dick Duran gets fired, and Fitz goes back to the bench, knowing, like, hey, wait, you're going to start the guy that I had to take over for because he sucked? Great. Wonderful. Until week three, when Chan Gailey, who I think realized he made a pretty grave mistake deferring to Trent Edwards' experience, they decided to put Fitz back in again. How insulted would you be personally? If you're at work, you're doing a job, you get promoted, and then a new boss shows up and like re-demotes you over, over the guy who you got promoted ahead of. Yeah, I'd probably leave. <laughs> you would probably quit, right? Yeah. 
Ryan Fitzpatrick comes off the bench again in 2010, and it didn't go any better than 20, 2009. The game, the team only wins four games. But within that were more, there was more watchable, memorable games in that one season in 2010 than I think existed throughout the whole previous decade of the drought. The Stevie Johnson drop touchdown pass against Pittsburgh. You remember that game, don't you? Yeah, wasn't that where he then tweeted? Yes, about, about God. About God? <laughs> and then I was like, what's a tweet? That close loss in New England where the Bills took 300 yards with the penalties, but Fitz brought him back, and on the final play of the game, throws a pick in the end zone. And my friends looked at me. Uh, it's Scott Duntley. I'll never forget it. I drank two whole bottles of wine because it was the only booze he had in his house. And he goes, I just watched you over the course of 60, like, like 60 minutes of football experience every single human emotion. Like you just descri- He's like, you could be a one-man show. Now I have a podcast. <laughs> Now it's, I it's, it's deep. Usually you don't have any depth of emotion. Stevie Johnson's coming out party against Cincinnati. The why so serious game. That happened during that season. I ended up getting loaded, right? Loaded at a beer blast during that game and ended up calling up a girl that I had recently broken up with for a ride home because I was too shit faced to drive which rekindled yet another chapter in a disastrous relationship that led to me meeting you. (laughs) Nice. The team didn't win, but they scored more than 24 points just three times in 2009, and they did it four times in 2010, even though they had a worse record. Like, then 2011 rolls around, Chris. Gailey calling plays, Fitzhawk and the Rock, and a defense that was re-energized with Marcel Darius added as a rookie, they started winning. And not just beating soup cans and low-scoring nail-biters, but look at They blow out Kansas City to start the season on the road. They come home and they pull off a come-from-behind improbable win that, like, the, a drive that featured, I think there was two fourth-down conversions yeah, to, a, to a Nelson touchdown. Let me yeah. tell you about that game. Nelson was a fourth and one touchdown pass against the Oakland Raiders. I was at my apartment angrily watching that game. And at halftime, I got fed up and I said, fuck this game. I'm, I'm going to my girlfriend's place. I'll go to her place and watch the rest of this crap. See what mundane nonsense she's doing. And on the drive over there, I drove past. I saw the sign for the KFC slash Taco Bell. You know, the one on Transit Road. Yep. And. They had a buy one, get one sale going on for popcorn chicken. I ordered 22 orders of popcorn chicken, Chris, and then took that, poured it all into a mixing bowl and sat out on her patio to wallow in it with just an array of condiments. And by the time that game was over, I was shirtless. I had at least three different condiments on my face hammered just reveling in the fact that we won one of the most one of the craziest football games i'd seen in years that's a kind of game that gives you hope for the following week when you play the patriots and then you go in there and in dramatic fashion with drew gear in the stands you knock off the the new england patriots for a top spot in the afc east for the first time since the mid 90s the, the, all of a sudden, the Bills are on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I still have that magazine. Drayton Florence holding the ball in his hand, doing the airplane as he runs in with a pick six that bounced off Marcel Darius's helmet, and it says Stampede across the top of it. How the Buffalo Bills have run roughshod over the AFC and own their division right now. Chris, we were being talked about on national television Budding stars like Stevie Johnson are making the national radio and TV rounds. We shut a team out coming off our bye week. For the first time in what felt like years. Was that the Toronto game against the Redskins? Yes. One of the, the that's one of those dumb stats that you hear that never leaves your brain. It's the only time Mike Shanahan has been shut out. You, you, you set records. And for the first time in over a decade, 
The Buffalo Bills were legitimately fun. They were fun to watch. They were a product you could be proud of. I, I don't know. It, the, there, there was real change. You felt it. You felt a directional shift in this franchise. And I don't know, Chris. I mean, then we, then we gave him I go that back contract. To that, I go back to the day of that Jets game. I mean, it's one of those things right? I <laughs> I talk about a lot of things per, that are personal on this podcast, and I don't get weepy every time I do, but I just, I just remember being in a hole, <laughs> just a real hole. That pulled me out of it a little bit. It helped get me back on my feet. If you're about to cry, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> no, we're not crying during this podcast, but it inspired. It made me feel like when everything was falling apart that I could turn it around too. And this this wasn't going to be so bad. Having an open bar and watching us trounce the Bengals led to me sitting here with you. <laughs> it's weird, but that's how it worked. Being in the stands for that Patriots victory. Like, it made me hungry for more and unable to say no to season tickets the following year when, when the opportunity came up. Or was it two years? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. And it all started with a desperate coach taking a chance on a bearded journeyman quarterback named Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's one of the most improbable things you'll ever hear. And I think for that alone, just his impact here and what he did for this franchise, Chris, raise your glass. A toast to Fitzmagic. But it doesn't just end there. Because I think what makes him truly special Beyond his career in a Bills uniform, I don't know. He not only didn't stop playing when he could have and just counted all of his Benjamins and rode off into the sunset, he went on to show us more and more over the years why he should maybe be considered the, mo the best journeyman quarterback of all time. Where did he go? At? Did he go to Houston after us? Oh, he did. Tennessee. Oh, no, he went to Houston. And we can, we're going to talk about that. In fact, no, maybe he did go to Tennessee first. I don't know. Call in if you know. First of all, he showed us that he's this rare, goofy human NFL player. Uh, the Deshaun Jackson interview that you talked, that, that you referenced. Yeah. In uh, the hallway outside of a game, like outside of a post game, he goes and swaps clothing with a wide receiver who's half his size. And he comes out rocking a chain and a leather jacket with no shirt on underneath. Look, not to get off track for a second, but if it's true that he's in talks with Amazon, that has to be his wardrobe for the studio. <laughs> like, it can't be anything else. He can't be in a His full very first time, at least. Yeah, he can't... He like the the Miami interviewer, or the when he played with Miami, or might have been Tampa Bay, where it was like a Thursday night game, and then he came out post game for an interview, and he looked like a Don Johnson replica, <laughs> just dressed like Miami. Like that's got to be his Amazon Prime get up if that is what he's doing. But do you know why that fits? Because he showed us he's not just he's, fits. he's not just stuffy NFL player. He's a he's a man. He's got a personality. That Deshaun Jackson interview. Uh, the frequent participant in the WGR five fifty roasts here locally, where you get to see him just make jokes about he has Tyrod Taylor jokes and he's got jokes about Eric Wood and he's he works a little blue, Chris, which I found hilarious. Like that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's just a dude. Every team he went to, players seemed to fall in love with him. Eric Wood and Fred Jackson, you know, that word cloud thing that he tweeted out when he retired. He went on Trey Wingo's podcast and talked about how Fred Jackson's name was the biggest because he met Fred here and he is genuinely his best friend from all of his years playing football. But you see the number of players who he considers to be friends that he's made over the course of his, what, how long was his career, Chris? I think 17 years. Like, that's insane that there's this many people who you've just 
And you had every reason, Chris, at any one of these stops, he could have just looked around and said, you know what? I'm not a starter. No one's going to pay me as much as Buffalo did. I made my money. I've got seven kids. I'm just going to ride off into the sunset. But he made relationships everywhere he went, and he loved the game. I mean, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall, in prep for this show, I found a clip of the three of them when he was on the Jets talking to a CBS reporter for a pregame spot. Marshall's describing how when Fitch showed up out of the gate, he couldn't throw a five-yard or ten-yard out to save his life. And Marshall didn't talk to him because of it. Because he was like, there's no way this guy will be our starter. (laughs) There's no way this guy's going to be the starting quarterback. And by the end of that, by halfway through that season, they were best friends. Him, Decker, Marshall, they had like grown together to become thick as thieves because that's, he had a gravity to him, right? And I think what's more important when you look at the scope of what he's done for this game is his passion for football. Because it was one of those things where it's very easy when you're a journeyman routinely a place as a backup quarterback it's easy to get down it's easy to lose focus it's easy to not be sharp or lose your love for the game you're just like look i have some abilities some te- charlie what is it charlie whitehurst <clears throat> how yeah. many career backup quarterbacks can you name guys who were never starters but hung around for a while how many can you think of chris frank reich well, no, he got a starting gig in Carolina when they were the expansion team. They hired him to be their starter. Yeah, but didn't he go to, like, uh, Houston or the Jets to be their starter? I don't know. But again, he got a starting job. Who are some of the journeymen who were hired with no ambitions of being a starter? Matt Flynn. How about that? Okay. Guys like Matt Flynn. Guys like Charlie Whitehurst. Um I'm just trying to think, like, who are some of these guys who've hung around for a while? Chase Daniel. Okay, perfect. That's a good one. Chase Daniel, uh, Mike Kafka. He's floating around out there. Davis Webb. Recently, the Buffalo Bills. Career backups. But when given the opportunity, they all play like backups. Ryan Fitzpatrick plays with a fire to him that is just, it's undeniable. And that's crazy when you consider how many times he could, like how many times he should have walked away from situations and from interactions just being disenfranchised with the entire process. Let's go back to that Texans victory over Buffalo. Fitz said all the right things in the media that week leading up to the EJ Manuel Buffalo Bills, 2014, the EJ Manuel Buffalo Bills playing the Houston Texans in Houston. Just, hey, this is just another game. You know, I, I love my time in Buffalo. I like those guys. It, it, I don't think about it. It's not a thing. I'm on, to, I'm on to Cincinnati, basically. On the field? Whole different story. J.J. Watt called it one of the most passionate pregame speeches he'd ever seen. And that he could feel Fitz's emotions. Now, I have a link to this in the notes here, Chris. I think I'm going to tweet it out because I want people to see this. He's, he's got the whole team around him. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs. This game means something to me and you know it. When we get in the late parts of the game, he goes, if you find yourself lost or you don't know where to go, you don't know what's you, you get down. Look to me, look to me because I'm going to carry us. Okay. You, 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 if you find yourself questioning what kind of energy or what kind of effort we're going to need today, look to me. Let me lead you to a win. It's crazy. It's only it's only a minute or two long, Chris, but it's one of the it's you could tell he felt that. And they showed that on the broadcast. And I remember seeing it. and It's always stuck with me. And then you watch the game play out. And after an EJ Manuel pick six, the Texans are clinging to a three point lead. On third and four with seven minutes to play Fitzpatrick, who Chris, he's not he's as much an athlete as you and I are. <laughs> like, let's face it takes off for one of his patented scramble headfirst dive that looks like a 40-year-old trying to play slow-pitch softball. He looks like Pat Dan out there trying playing slow-pitch softball. But it gets five yards and extends the drive like he's done so many times for the Buffalo Bills that allows them to kick an insurance field goal and they go on to win the game with an interception. And afterwards, there's no audio, but you don't need it. 
Fitzpatrick, he's out there and he's losing his shit, headbutting guys. He's running around and as he's running off the field, he's screaming at his teammates, you see that? Everyone saw that. That's embarrassing. (laughs) Chris, he never lost his fire. Even after the Bills dealt him a shit hand. I think it's a Harvard thing. Even after the Tennessee Titans dealt him a shit I'll expand on all of this in a minute, but he had fire to him. Then you watch him go to Miami, right? He gets a quote-unquote meaningless win over the Patriots to knock them out of the bye and force Brady to play his last game in a Patriots uniform in the wild card round against the Titans, and we just talked about how that ended. Pick six, his final pass in a Patriots uniform. It's like, I, I have that DVR, and sometimes I go back and rewatch that game. That happened because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. The following season, he gets benched for Tua. You know, he ends the season on a high note, and everyone's going, hey, this is it. This is it. Fitz could be like a piece here. He could get us over the hump. Nope. Unceremoniously, once again, benched. Benched for another player. And yet comes off the bench with zero ego and against the Raiders in 2020 leads one of the most improbable comebacks in NFL, in my opinion, NFL history to keep the Dolphins playoff hopes alive. You remember that game, Chris? Vaguely. The Raiders, they, what is it? They fuck up a kick. The guy returns it. And then on like a fake handoff, they just let some guy get loose downfield for, I think it was a Mac Hollins gets loose downfield for like 40 yards. <laughs> Fitzpatrick just hucks it and the guy goes up there and gets it in single coverage. Like that win is what made, <clears throat> it's the reason that they went into the 2020 finale against the Buffalo Bills with playoff aspirations. Scroll all the way down to the bottom of this. Chris has the game log up to me. Chris, it's play by play by play. Go all the way down to the bottom. Got it. Pro football reference is my, like, that's my jam. Now scroll up. Right here. Ryan Fitzpatrick complete deep to Mac Hollins for 34 yards. <laughs> and then they tack on 15 for roughing the passer. Oh, and on the next play, 44-yard field goal to win the game. Tell me that that is not poetry. Ryan Fitzpatrick was glued in. He was dialed in. He was ready to go. And then he gets COVID and he's not around for the finale. He would have played in Buffalo for the first time since leaving. Even with no fans there, Chris, what would that atmosphere have been like? It would have been insane. And what I love is that he got benched again and comes off and he's ready to fire. He's ready to play. He's ready to put his balls on the line because that's who he was. And then you talk about you know, Trey Wingo was talking with him about it on the interview, which I urge everybody to go listen to. Talking about his human moments in football and what he remembers. And he was talking about after the the, the Jets, the 10-5 and 5 Jets come into Buffalo, all they need is a win to go to the playoffs for the first time in, in his career. And the Jets with a bunch of backup defenders somehow beat them. Somehow, some way... Tyrod Taylor and those guys pull off an improbable victory against this winning Jets team. And the season ends just like that for the New York Jets. And he talked about the moment that he shared with Brandon Marshall in this tiny visitor's locker room here in Orchard Park, knowing that neither one of them were probably going to. He said that was the moment like he and I shared in that locker room, knowing neither of us were probably going to ever see the playoffs in our career. Like that was our ticket and we both lost it and we both knew it. Like, that's the other side of that. Like, you and I, we, we, we get fired up about that story. The Rex Revenge game. No, nah, we knocked off the Jets. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick lived the other side of that. And to know that he helped the teammate. Brandon Marshall, I, would you say he'll carry a much larger NFL cachet? Yeah. And yet, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the guy who was his shoulder to cry on in that moment. That's leadership. That's 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 humanity. That's being a human being inside of the game of football. And I think what's most unique about him is that that humanity 
in the face of all the adversity and some of the most unceremonious ends and most undeserved shafting of any player. He never lost it. He gets drafted to a team in the Rams who have an incumbent quarterback who just got extended. Then he gets signed by Cincy who has an incumbent quarterback. He, he, he finally gets to Buffalo as a backup gets to the field, becomes a starter, lands a starter-level contract, and then unceremoniously gets shipped out and shafted in favor of a rookie quarterback that not even the head coach liked. Doug Marone signed here because he thought, like, hey, at least I'm getting a Ryan Fitzpatrick who's a veteran. And then the team goes, now nah, we're going to draft a first-rounder and you're going to have to start him. And they knew they couldn't keep Fitz around because they didn't want that dynamic in the locker room. They didn't want a J.P. Lawsman, Kelly Holcomb thing going on. So instead they ship him out and he has to go peddle his wares elsewhere. And yet he never stops fighting. He never quits on his teams. He never goes anywhere and stops being the best teammate, the best player, even with a limited skill set that he can be. He goes to Miami and with all their flip-flopping, we're going to start Tua, even though we're a winning football team right now. Um, we're gonna st- we're gonna start two against the Broncos, but because he sucks, we're gonna bring you in in the second half and watch you almost come back and win. And then the following week, go right back to Tua, and then make you come off the bench a second time. Like, like he comes out swinging because he's a gamer. Dealt shit hand after shit hand, shit hand, and he keeps finding his way not only to the football field but also keeps finding a way to remind everybody that. I'm here because I'm a gamer, because I'm a football player, because I love this sport and I love my teammates. No amount of poor treatment could rob him of his love of this game. And I think that that's unique, don't you? Yeah. I think a lot of other players would have crumbled in the face of all that adversity. Most of them do. Not Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so the love that he had, not just... Not just for us, not just for this city, this team, but just a game is rare, incredibly rare. And then, Chris, that last part, the love that he still has for us is like Buffalo Bills. Like everyone talks about him being shirtless at our game while he's still under contract, technically, with the Washington football team. How wild is that? Yeah. What other player in the NFL would do that? Has it ever happened before? I don't think I, it has. I, don't, I challenge someone to prove to me that it has. But then you have to throw in the caveat that it's got to be from like 2016 on because social media. I mean, there's no way that there's, you know, a Polaroid of Dan Marino in the stands at a Bills game or whatever after he's been eliminated <laughs> or not playing or whoever. It'd have to be from like 2016 on. When, Probably with social media. I mean, that's the only way that that got out that he was here I, was social media. And then there's the comments that he made about just Josh Allen and why he didn't sign here. Because I remember that conversation. Remember in the preseason when everyone's like, okay, who's going to be our backup? And then we inevitably signed Trubisky. But everyone kept talking about how cool it would be if Ryan Fitzpatrick came back. And his quote to, to Wingo, just about how he's like, I didn't want to sign with the Bills as the backup because I love Josh Allen. I love watching Josh play football. And if I sign to be the backup with the Buffalo Bills, what's happened with the rest of my career? I end up on the field somehow. I don't want to end up on the field for Buffalo. <laughs> I, don't want to pl- I don't want to play on the field. I want to see Josh Allen play. And he said, no, that's, that's a situation where I love watching this kid too much. And I've seen this story happen over and over again in my career. Imagine thinking that I know that I'm bad juju, so I will extricate myself from this situation because I appreciate this team, this franchise, this city and this player so much. How rare is that? Very rare. Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's it's he's like Dr. Gonzo in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> what is it? Uh, too weird to live, too rare to die. He was too weird to continue living in the NFL, but too rare to ever be forgotten in terms of his impact and what he's done for the game of football. Chris, I 
I don't think I can say it. I think we should let Rich Eisen say it in what is maybe one of another one of your masterworks of production. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If there was a Hall of Fame for excitement, based on excitement alone, uh, pure uh, adulation, um, the remarkable, remarkable stretch of football that this man played um, in the NFL for nine different teams. Unreal. That this man played at a level that not only was fascinating and interesting, but also uh, unprecedented in terms of the number of opportunities he kept getting. If he was on your team and you were starting quarterback, you had to have your head on a swivel because <laughs> this guy was going to get the start at some point. And his name is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He has announced his retirement wow. from the NFL. I've always just tried to be real. I've tried to be authentic. I've tried to be myself. And that, for a lot of people, that works. Spiller is at the side of Fitzpatrick. think about cities, when I think about fan bases, Buffalo is number one by a mile. It's Patrick, fires, all caught, Steve Johnson, touchdown Buffalo! What a play, and what a move! 28 yards! <laughs> Why so serious? Back to the receiver in the slot at the top of your screen. What a great catch and throw by Stevie Johnson and Ryan Fitzpatrick. These two guys practice together as backups. And even now, more so than anywhere I played, when I'm in the airport, if I see you know flight to Rochester, flight to Buffalo, I just those are my people. Yeah. We just get each other. Since you've been gone. 
very easy, especially in team sports, especially in a locker room for football. Like, people see through the bullshit. They, they see through the bullshit. So, I mean, if you're not being authentic and real in who you are, then they're going to see that. So be yourself. Enjoy being yourself. And hopefully people like and respond to that. Jackson alone in the backfield. T.O. right here. This might be a good time to take a shot up the field. Short drop, and that's where they're going to try to go. T.O. has a step towards, and he's going to score 98 yards. Chris, I know you said if I started to tear up, I'd leave. Yeah, get out of here. It's a good thing. We, we, we need to end this podcast quickly. <laughs> Your final thoughts on Ryan Fitzpatrick, sir. Hell of a career. One of the best journeymen. I mean, he might be the only uh, quarterback that has a recurring meme after him. The cycle of Fitzpatrick. <laughs> they, you know, he gets gets cut, goes to a team that needs a veteran backup, gets on the field, replaces said starter, fails, gets cut, signs as a veteran backup somewhere, gets on the field, takes over, gets <laughs> cut because he failed. That's a cycle of Fitzpatrick. But, man, was it something to watch. Yeah. It really does. It's it's inspirational. No matter how you slice it, the guy who had a do- half a dozen nicknames here locally will forever be remembered by us as fans if only because he gave us all back a sense of something that I think a lot of dismal years of football took away from us. Regardless of team record, the team wasn't fun anymore until Ryan Fitzpatrick showed up. He gave a lot of us reasons to believe again. <clears throat> he gave me a once-in-a-lifetime moment at, at the time. I believe it was still New Era Field. No, it was still Ralph Wilson. It was Ralph Wilson Stadium. When we beat the New England Patriots... And there was people hugging. The guy next to me on the f- was on the phone. He was hugging me while he was on the phone with his dad, and he was crying, and I could hear his dad crying. Like it was, it was wild. And it gave us the push we needed to become season ticket holders, which is a decision that's reshaped the way I enjoy and love this football team, that this franchise. It's introduced me to so many of you people who are listening to this right now. It, Chris. <laughs> In a weird butterfly effect way, it's the reason we're sitting here talking about this. He opened the door for that. His impact and the ripple effect it had changed my life for the better in ways that I, I could spend an hour just articulating that alone. I wish there was something I could give him in return, but there isn't. I just to hear him say that we're his city and his people. I'm not surprised by that because if you look at the course of his career, he lost just enough to be disrespected and won just enough to be likable. Could always find ways to pick himself up both metaphorically and physically off the mat and get back in the ring. He carried a passion for the art of NFL football until he physically couldn't do it anymore. And despite getting kicked in the teeth over and over again, he never let it diminish his love for the game or for this city and its fans. Enough so that he'd come back here to revel in in one of our finest moments in person alongside of all of us. He truly is one of us Buffalonians and Bills fans. And while I'd never claim to speak for the entire fan base, I know that while his name will probably never hang on the wall of fame, most of us will never forget the mark that he left on us, the game of football, or this franchise. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And so it's with that, Chris, that I think that I think we've said enough. Raise a glass. Yeah, I'm all out of this delicious beverage. To Ryan Fitzpatrick. Guys, 
Thanks for joining us for this. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pile Report. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.